0: Dude, no way, <laughs> that, I, don't, I don't know why that should be a bucket list thing, I feel like I can like check that off, walk out to the flute version of that song, that was awesome, oh gosh, I, I feel like we're done here, let's Corey come back out, we'll wrap it up, um, no guys, um, how are you guys doing tonight, sorry that totally took me off guard, <laughs> how's everybody doing? Good, good. Hey, do me a favor. Uh, look to your neighbor real quick. Tell them that you've prayed all week. You get to sit by them. Be sincere. Now, look to your other neighbor, your second choice for whatever reason, the person you didn't pick initially. Make it a little awkward, but say, hey, I honestly believe God's got a word for you tonight. If you could soften your hard heart, God's got a word for you. If you could just soften your hard heart. So, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Hey, do we have any first-time guests in the building tonight? First time here? Anybody? Awesome. Thank you for coming and checking us out. I hope you feel at home here. Uh, Our goal is for you to come here, get plugged in, um, get a spouse, get married, have kids, tie it to the church so that I can get a raise. Um, Dad, we've got a plan for you. So if you want to meet Eric and Dakota at Y Connect afterwards, we can get that process started for you guys. no, hey, but for real, does anybody have faith that their spouse is in the building tonight? Anybody? <laughs> anybody got faith that their spouse is in the same row? Don't hold your hand up. It might freak them out. It might weird them out. Just play it cool. Play it cool. No, but for real, guys, I'm glad, uh, I'm glad you guys are here. I'm excited for tonight. Um, I honestly believe that Jesus has something special in store for us. And. Uh, This is what's cool. I believe that anytime we gather together, the Bible says that Jesus is here. And while a sermon can be cool, and hopefully I give you guys something that you can walk out of the building with tonight, um, reality is, two, maybe three weeks, uh, you'll forget absolutely everything that I say. Um, I've come to terms with that. I've come to grips with that. But when we encounter Jesus... Uh, there's opportunity for us to leave and um, never be the same and, and to forever be different. And so while a sermon is good and it has its place, what we're really praying for tonight is to make contact with Jesus, to encounter Jesus for who he is and um, just worship him, worship him and enjoy him. And so before we dive in tonight, um, could we all pray together? Let's say a quick prayer. Um, Jesus, we love you. We're so thankful for you. God, we gather to celebrate you, and we pray, God, that you would do for us tonight what you do so faithfully every time we gather and that show up. We're so aware that if you're not here, this is a very weird thing that we do, Um, gather together and sing songs, but Jesus, if you're here, then there's potential for um, people that are hurt to be healed, for broken hearts to be mended, um, for the poor to have the gospel declared to them, uh, for you to declare the year of the Lord's favor in this place. And so, Jesus, we come expecting to meet with you, and all we want to do is encounter you. And so, Holy Spirit, would you come and would you prepare the room and would you prepare our hearts and my heart and, and the heart of the worship team for just an encounter with you? Because that's what changes things, that's what matters. So, Lord, we put everything else aside for the next couple of minutes and we focus in and we zero in on you, and we're so thankful that we get to be with you tonight. It's in your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. All right, guys, if you have your Bible, uh, would you turn to John chapter 1 for me? And again, if you don't have your Bible, find the most attractive person in your row, slide next to them, and read off of their Bible. Uh, We're going to go to John chapter 1. I'm playing the relationship card tonight. it. might bring it some more. It's all right. Uh, John chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 35, but a little context here before we jump in. Um, John chapter 1 is the famous uh, verses, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and that is referencing Jesus. And so John chapter 1 kicks off with Jesus, and then it introduces a character to us named John the Baptist. And while John the Baptist is not the one that wrote the book of John... He is a very important person in the story of Jesus and the story of the gospel. The the Bible tells us that he's the one that prepared the way for Jesus um, and and got ready the work that Jesus was going to do. And so when we read kind of John chapter 1 before verse 35, what's happening is John is kind of setting out on his mission. And then Jesus comes into the picture and John sees Jesus baptized and it changes him, and he realizes who Jesus is, and then Jesus starts to gather disciples for himself. John had disciples, and now Jesus is starting to gather disciples. And that's kind of where we pick up in verse 35, and this is what, this is what it says. It says, uh, The next day, again, John the Baptist was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, Come and you'll see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. Uh, One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus' name was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. And I just want to pause really quick. I know we don't have a lot left, but he brought him to Jesus. And I just want to say really quick, uh, as we're approaching this Easter season... Um, I love, I love uh, scripture where it just says, and this guy brought this guy to Jesus, and then this guy's life was forever changed. Because I think, like, you know, we push Easter here because we're celebrating the resurrection of a God that loved us so much he died for us. But death didn't hold him down. He rose again. And I think sometimes that can even be intimidating for a Christian to try to explain and, and, and talk to somebody about. And what I love, Andrew's tactic, it's very simple. He goes and gets his brother, and then he just takes him to Jesus. And I think, and while we physically can't take somebody to Jesus, the spirit of Jesus lives inside of you if you're a believer, and it dwells in God's house. And so just how easy is it that we don't have to do any of the heavy lifting, that we literally just get to take people to Jesus? Like, that, that's just what it's all about. And so I love that. I always get fired up when I read stuff like that. But back to verse 42, it says, Andrew brought him to Jesus. Now Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means... Peter. So earlier on this year, right before the beginning of the new year, I was uh, praying kind of one of these Christian prayers where, I think it was right around Christmas, and I was just like, God, I feel like I'm in a funk, I feel like I've been reading your word, and you know, I, I, I'm familiar with this, I'm familiar with this, which is a weird thing to say because God's word is living and active, and it's always like speaking to your life, but I was just like, God, give me a fresh revelation, like using very Christian terms, like God, give me fresh eyes, give me a fresh revelation of your power word, Jesus. And so naturally, I started in the book of John. Um, I skipped the entire Old Testament and the first three books of the New Testament, and I landed in John. And as I was reading, yeah, I don't know why, like, I was like, yeah, I'll just start in John. Like, there's so many books before John, but we'll just start in John. Um, So I was reading John chapter 1, and I got to verse 42, and I couldn't shake uh, this this scene that we just kind of read about. And what I remember, I even wrote it in my Bible, I said, what an interesting first encounter that Jesus had with Simon. And I remember thinking, if I'm just being totally honest, if I was Simon and I had that experience with Jesus, I would walk away feeling kind of awkward. Um, and I think we don't read into that because, you know, when we go to the Bible, we, we have this tendency to try to over-spiritualize things that are happening. And, and we kind of know how it's going to end before it begins. And so, um, you know, we don't tend to take situations and scenarios at face value. But I think if we're being completely honest um, and we look into what's happening here, things, things can be like a, a little awkward. And so my revelation from God when I prayed for this was the fact that I couldn't shake Jesus's like awkward approach towards talking to Simon, gathering one of his first disciples. And so just so you're tracking with me, I did a Connor paraphrase version of this story. Um, We'll sell it in bookstores soon, the message by me. (laughs) Um, No, but this is, from the story we just read, this is kind of how my brain interpreted it. And I think it's okay to think this. And so I said, "So, so Simon's brother... Uh, Simon's brother, who we'll soon find out, is named Peter. Simon's brother, Andrew, is chilling with John the Baptist, eating locusts, wearing camel skin, and just kind of being weird. He hears John the Baptist look at Jesus as he walks by, and he says, hey, look, that's God in human form, the sacrificial lamb. So obviously, intrigued by that comment, Andrew decides to follow this guy that John the Baptist is talking about. And he follows Jesus. Jesus sees him following him. He's like, what are you doing? And he's like, I I just heard some crazy things about you. And he's like, well, come uh, see where I'm staying. And so he sees where Jesus is staying. And once he locates him, he goes and he runs off to get his brother, whose name is Simon. Now, Simon, John, the disciple, and Andrew have a fishing business together. And so I'm sure Simon is fishing and thinking, where in the world is my brother? Like, I'm not paying his rent again. Like, he needs to come and fish. And so Andrew runs and finds Simon, and he says, hey, Simon, I have found the Messiah. And the way Simon would have heard that is, I have found this guy that the entire Old Testament talks about, that all of our prophets have prophesied about. He's going to be the king of our people. He's going to lead us both politically and spiritually, and the, the reign of his kingdom will never end. So I'm sure, like, hesitantly, Simon's like, okay, like, whatever. I will go follow you and I will meet this guy. And so Simon and Andrew walk to where Jesus is. And, like, first thing that happens, like, Simon, at least according to our story, doesn't even get a word out. And Jesus is like, oh, hey, Simon, I know your dad. And by the way, your name's Pete. All right, I'll see you later. (laughs) But for real. Like, that, that's what happens. Like, Simon walks up. I'm sure Andrew's like, dude, okay, there he is. Like, go, go try to say hi. Like, that's the Messiah. That's the, the God lamb guy. Like, and he's like, hey. and Jesus is like, oh, Simon, know your dad. His name's John, and you're going to be called Pete. Call you Pete from now on. Like, what? And literally, you can read for yourself. The very next verse, it says, then Jesus goes and tries to call Philip. Like, it's a very weird interaction. Like, Jesus was just like, hey, like, imagine tonight, like, if we were to meet, and I was like, hey, man, my name's Connor. You're like, hi, I'm Josh. And I'm like, Dan, I'm calling you Dan. (laughs) Hey, Dan, what's up, Dan? You're like, no, dude, no, my name is Josh. I said, Dan, such a kidder, Dan. Gosh, Dan. No, but for real, like Simon's like, Mr. Jesus, my name is Simon. He's like, no, I'm going to call you Pete. No, for real, my name is Simon. I don't know if you're hard of hearing or if you misunderstood what I said. My name is Simon. Yeah, okay, Pete, Pete, <laughs> Pete. No, dude, that's not my name. But what is it? For real, there's something about our names. Just the essence of a name It's very personal. It's our identity. Our name is sort of how we relate to everybody. Our name is how we're known. It gives us meaning and significance to some extent. It's our name. It's who we are. And so as I was kind of studying this uh, section of scripture, I started looking into my own name and the origins of my name and what my name means. And this is what I found. Um, Connor, it is of Irish origin, and it means strong-willed and wise. And I like to throw in ruggedly handsome. Connor of Irish origin, meaning strong and wise, and it also means hound lover. I didn't want to give you guys that because that's kind of weird. But I mean, I'm not against dogs. I like dogs. Um, (laughs) No, but so strong, wise, hound lover. Um, It also, and this is kind of crazy. And if if you talk to people that know me really well, this describes me pretty well. It's kind of crazy. It says "Um, people who are named Connor normally have a desire to express themselves creatively through public speaking acting, singing, and writing. I don't know if you've heard any of my dumb songs that I sing all the time around here, but couldn't be more true. It says, they also love analyzing and learning and tend to be introspective and live in their own heads sometimes. (laughs) Guilty. Like... (laughs) We'll be driving, my wife and I will be driving to like dinner or something, and I'll just be in the zone. And she thinks like I'm not trying to talk to her, but I've got like 8,000 things. Like I'm having like a conversation with myself when like eight different people in my own head, like just analyzing like my day and what my day is going to be like tomorrow. Like it, it was crazy because my parents could have named me anything. And like they chose to name me Connor. And, and I don't know if it's because I'm like I live up to this or, or what if that was divine, but that's who I am. Like, for real, like, Connor, that is my name. And growing up, um, I had an uncle who was really old, like, old enough to wear your glasses are so intense, your eyes look like the full size of your glasses old. <laughs> and I don't know why, um, but it bothered the ever-living out of me. But he would always come over for, like, Thanksgiving and Christmas, and he would call me Corner. And I hated it. <laughs> But here's the thing. He had a really like good, playful personality. so He was joking, but he'd always be like, "Hey, corner!" And he'd always like point to a corner and be like, "Your parents named you after that corner." And I'm just like, as a kid, I was like, "Bro, no! That is not my name. My name is Connor. Like, I, what are you doing? Like, corner? Like, no! Stop!" And I'm not making this up, true story. I was an intern at a church in Cleveland, and I had kind of paid my dues for the summer. LeBron James left that summer. Everybody was crying, tore down the poster. Um, and so I had paid my dues being there, and uh, my moment in the sun, I did the announcements, and then I got to lead uh, Sunday school. How many of you are old school enough to know what Sunday school is? It is like church before church. Like, I got to lead church before church at this church, and... Um, So I remember, man, I was fired up. I was, like, studying. I got a word from God. I had a revelation. I had notes. I had prayed. And I was ready to just preach the crap out of this Sunday school. I was ready to own it. And so I get there, and it's, like, a mixed bag of, like, a bunch of different ages. And it's, like... Kind of anybody was welcome to this Sunday school class at this church. And so I remember, man, I like crushed it. And I was like walking around after church was about to start. And I like my chest out. And I was just like, yeah, you know that Sunday school class, right? Like, you know me, like Sunday school class, you know? And um, after the service, I was feeling good about myself. And I saw a couple people that were in the Sunday school class. And I went up to one of them. She was an older lady bordering 100 and I went to her, and we were just striking up conversation. And then I don't know if it was out of insecurity or I just wanted to, like, reassure myself of how great I did. But I was just like, hey, Louise. Her name wasn't Louise, but hey, Louise. That Sunday school class, though, right? And, and no lie. She, like, doesn't even look at me, like, savage. Like, doesn't even look at me. Like, looks over me. And she literally goes, she goes, now, Colin. She goes, I don't remember a single thing that you said, but... I know you were passionate about it, Colin. You got passion. And I was just like, first off, rude. Like, I prayed for you, Louise. I thought we had something. Like, I prayed for this for you. You don't remember anything? And then Colin? Where do you get Colin? My name is Connor. Connor is my name, Louise. Connor, not Colin. But isn't it true? Like, when people don't remember our names or, like, they get our names wrong, it kind of rubs us the wrong way a little bit because there's something to our names. There's something about our names. It's our identity. It's our image. It's our heritage. And to some degree, it's, it's who we are. And so if you're taking notes tonight, my message is titled simply this, what is in a name? What's in a name? And so I want to go back and revisit our section of scripture real quick and see what's going on here because when Jesus um, is around, there's normally more that meets the eye going on. And so we're going to go to John chapter 1 and we're going to jump in at verse 40 this time. It should be on the screen. So here we go. Uh, John chapter 1, verse 40. Uh, one of the two. That heard John the Baptist speak and follow Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And I don't know why they put Peter there because officially he's not Peter yet. So let's just read it as uh, the person that followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. And if you have a Bible, do me a favor, and in your Bible, underline the words you are, and then underline the words you shall be. You are and you you shall be. So Andrew brings his brother to Jesus. And from all we know, this is the first interaction that Simon and Jesus have ever had. Um, And I think it's very interesting that Jesus is the one that initiates this conversation. But he says something that is very interesting here, and we might not catch it at first glance. Um, He says, you are Simon, son of John. Now, when we first read this, it seems like a pleasantry. It seems like a formality. Like, hey, like, I am Jesus the Christ. Like, you are Simon, son of John. Like, it almost seems like he, it's like a very formal introduction. But remember what's going on here. Simon, although he doesn't know it yet, is coming face to face and meeting his maker and creator and savior for the very first time. And Jesus, I think very strategically and intentionally, intentionally says to him, you are Simon. Son of John. And if you're taking notes, again, write this down. This is my first point. And it's very simple. It's Jesus knows you. Like Jesus knows you. He knows you. So, upon the very first introduction of Simon and Jesus ever meeting, uh, Jesus addresses Simon and he says, You are Simon, son of John. Why? Why would he say that? What is the significance of calling him the son of John? Well, back in these days, they didn't have uh, last names or middle names. And and the way they were recognized was by their first name. And then there's a couple different ways. They were either recognized by where they were from, they were recognized by what they did, or they were recognized by you are the son of or the daughter of. And so, what Jesus is doing here to some degree, very first time meeting Simon, um, is he's calling Simon by his full name. He's saying, you are Simon, son of John. That'd be like if somebody met me, they would say, you're Connor Thomas Grimm. Like whenever my grandpa it tries to impart um, like grandpa wisdom on me, he's always like, Connor Thomas, look at me. You're going to need this, you know. But what he's doing is he's calling out my full name. He's saying, I know who you are and this is going to help you down the road, Connor Thomas Grimm. And so Jesus specifically uses Simon, son of John. And what he's saying is, I know you. Like before Simon ever opens his mouth, he says, Simon, I know who you are. I know you. And I think it's interesting that one of the greatest desires of the human heart is to simply be known. One of the greatest desires that we have as people is to be known for who we really are. To be known. And even more so to be known by our creator. Like, think about it. Very first interaction Jesus has. He says, you're Simon, son of John. Saying, I know exactly who you are. And the deepest desires of our heart is to be known for who we are. But because we're we're really good at something. we're, We're really good at, we know who we should be. And so we're really good at kind of putting up a front at who we should be. And it kind of dilutes this whole being known for who we are. We know how we should be when we come to church. We know how we should act when we're around our friends or our friends' parents or whatever. Like we know a good way on how we should be. And so what we tend to do is we kind of put on masks and we put on facades and and, and we're not really known the way that we actually really are. Like just last night I was getting a haircut and I was talking to my, um, she's not a barber, she's a lady hair cutter, I don't know what you call them. Um, she cuts my hair and uh, we were talking, we were talking and um, she, uh, she was telling me, I was just asking her how life was and she knows about Red Rocks and Young all, she's awesome. Um, and she was telling me that her husband's just kind of going through a hard time. He's just wrestling with some things, and, and I told her I'd be praying for him. And I said, well, hey, like, what if you bring him to church? Like, I would love to hang out with him and meet him. I would love to take him to church. And what she said, it, it really hurt me, but it speaks to this condition that we have. And she said, well, he's really kind of going through some stuff right now, and I don't think that um, he would just feel, like, right, like walking into church. Um, you know, he might feel a little guilty, or he might feel a little shame. And I, I don't think he's just in a good place to where he, he would want to do that. And what she was saying was, he's going through some stuff, and I don't think right now he wants to be known for how he really is, you know? And I don't know about you, but I pray that young adults and Red Rocks is always a place that allows people to come as they are and be known for who they are. That there's no front, there's no mask, there's nothing that you have to present to hide yourself you can come as who we are, but, but the makeup of our heart is to be known in such a way that we don't need a front. And, and this is what's so awesome about Jesus when he encounters Simon. One, he calls him by his full name saying, hey, before you even open your mouth, I already know everything about you. Before you even say anything, I know you. I know you, Simon, son of John. I know you. And I love this because he doesn't even give Simon a chance to talk, at least what what we know of that. And I don't know how effective that strategy would be today, but he doesn't even give Simon a chance to talk. Why? Because he doesn't care about the facade that Simon could put on for the Messiah. Because when Jesus already knows you, there's no point in acting any different. He already knows who you are. He already knows what you think. He already knows what's going on in your heart. But this is what's so awesome. When we encounter Jesus for the first time, don't we also try to present ourselves in a certain way? We, we try to, it's hard to be open. It's hard to be known for who we actually are because we're vulnerable. For Jesus to know our passions and our, and our losses, our victories and our sins, that's a place of vulnerability. But what's so awesome is on first encounter, Jesus says, Simon, son of John, I know exactly who you are. And Simon's just vulnerable. And this is what I love. Get this, Jesus is the initiator here of the conversation. Jesus initiates this vulnerability and calls it out on on the first time that he meets Simon. Jesus calls Simon out. Andrew, finding the Messiah, brings his brother along to Jesus. And it wasn't some like supernatural recognition of who Jesus was. It was Jesus's recognition of who Simon was that called Simon. And I think sometimes, we, when we evangelize or even when we ourselves come to Jesus, we, we, we just present ourselves in a way to where we think Jesus would just be happy with it. And what Jesus is saying was, I, I called that out of Simon. I knew who he was. I know who you are. Jesus initiated and then he called out Simon's full name. Why? Because Jesus isn't looking for your best presentation and representation of yourself. He just wants you because he already knows you. Jesus knows you. He says your name. He calls you by your full name. And he says, I know exactly who you are. Before you even say a word to me, I know exactly who you are. And get this. This is what's so amazing about Jesus. Um, He says, you are Simon, son of John, saying, I know exactly who you are. But then he says this. You shall be called Peter. You shall be called Peter. Not only does Jesus know us, but this is point number two. Jesus calls you. On first contact, Jesus knows you and then he calls you immediately. One of the amazing things about this interaction we see between Simon and between Jesus is on first like conversation, Jesus is calling out the God-given potential found in Simon through him, even though Simon doesn't know it's there yet. When we meet Jesus, he knows us and then he immediately starts calling out our potential in and through him. See, Peter's not just like a random nickname that Jesus liked and like put on him. Peter honestly isn't even really a nickname. Peter's a calling. Peter's a call. You're like, well, what do you mean? Well, Jesus calls Simon Peter, and Peter literally meant Petros or Cephas, literally rock, like not like a nickname, like boulder, stone. He's like, you are Simon, son of John, you shall be a rock. You shall be rock. So when we meet Jesus, not only does he already know us, but he calls us to our fullest potential in him. Jesus is calling out Simon's potential within their first conversation. Jesus knows him and he calls him to who he can be in him. And Jesus is giving Simon this new identity, this new name, and even more so, and get this, Jesus is inviting Simon into the process of entering into his God-given purpose through Jesus. I think a lot of times when we meet Jesus, We're overwhelmed that he knows us for who we really are, but then he calls us. But, right, this this is for free. This is a side note. You ready? This is an extra side at the restaurant, okay? Jesus never calls you to a destination. He always calls you to a process. Because if you arrive at your destination, you'd be in heaven and you wouldn't be here right now. Jesus never calls you to a destination. He's always calling you into a process, And so when Jesus calls him, you shall be called Peter, he's inviting him into the process God has for him to become everything he could be through Jesus. And I'm sure you're thinking, well, how in the world do you know all this? Well, it's not really revealed to us um, until later, but Matthew, Mark, and Luke all record the same story. But we're going to read out of Matthew because it goes into a little bit more detail. And so keep this in mind, this story, because we're going to flash forward and then flash back. This story happens kind of down the road. Okay, And it's Matthew 16, starting in verse 13, and it says, Now Jesus came to the district of Caesarea Philippi. I hope I got that right. And he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others say Jeremiah, and some say the prophets. Isn't it interesting that people still call Jesus a prophet? But this is what I love about Jesus. He doesn't give us permission to call him a prophet. He says, who do you say that I am? And that's one of the most important questions we'll ever have to answer in our life. Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. That's another way of saying son of John. For flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, here we go. You are Peter. Imagine the flashback that he's having right now. The very first time he met Jesus. You are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. What rock is he talking about? It's it's twofold. He's saying on this rock, which is the confession of your faith that I am Jesus, the Son of God, the living Christ, but he's also saying, on you, Peter, on you, I'm going to build my church. Not that you're the foundation of my church. Your confession is the foundation of my church. But I'm going to use you to start and pastor and preach at the very first church. And you don't even know it yet. And what's amazing is that, that Peter didn't ha- get this name then. He just kind of got an understanding of what it was meaning then. He had this name from the very first time Jesus met him. So from the very first time we see this, Jesus is calling out the potential in Simon that he's going to be a pastor of the very first church, the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. And he doesn't even know him yet. So Jesus is saying, I know who you are, Simon, son of John. I know exactly who you are. I know everything about you. And he's like, I know who you will be in me. You will be Simon or you will be Peter. You are Simon. You will be Peter, Cephas, Petros. You will be a rock. How can Jesus so confidently How can Jesus so confidently call out um, this new name and this new identity from Simon? How can Jesus so confidently look at this guy that for all we know, he's just met, although he's saying, I've known you for forever. How can Jesus so confidently look at Simon, who's a fisherman and say, I'm gonna make you a pastor, a preacher, an evangelist. You're gonna go into all the nations and, and, and tell people about me. How does Jesus do that? Jesus calls Simon a rock And if you know anything about Simon, he could probably be the farthest thing from a rock. Um, Like you could imagine, like reading the Bible, like a rock is sturdy. A rock is like firm. A rock is something you can like lean against. And Simon was flighty. He was emotionally driven. He was very inconsistent. How can Jesus be so sure that this guy, Simon, is going to be a rock? And this is my third and final point. And band, you guys can slowly make your way back out here. Um, Jesus' calling isn't based on our performance. Jesus' calling is based on his purpose. Jesus' calling is never based on our performance. It's based on his purpose. How can Jesus so confidently call out the God-given potential in Simon from first contact? Because Jesus knew that it wasn't going to be Simon that made it happen. There was nothing about Simon that could make him a rock. There was nothing about Simon that could make him anything that Jesus called him to be. It had nothing to do with his performance. It had everything to do with God's potential that he put in him and God's purpose for his life. See, there was nothing when Jesus met Simon that was like Simon could bring to the table. Jesus didn't call him based on what he could do. But what, the way Jesus calls people is, I think I can do this through you. It's never about what we can do. It's never about what we can bring to the table. It's always about what Jesus can do through us. And so he calls him. How is he so sure? Because Jesus was the one that was going to be, that backed it up and paid the check. He was going to go to the cross and he was going to be the one to fulfill the calling in Simon's life that made him Peter. And Jesus was saying, Peter, I'm calling you this not because you're steady, because you're not. You're not steady. I'm calling you Peter, not because you're consistent, because you're not consistent. I'm calling you Peter, not, not because you're so strong-willed and, and you never waver and you'll never change because you're gonna do all that. You are Peter because I call you Peter, enough said. I have called you, I have known you from before the day you were born. And from the first time we met you, I called you. I don't know exactly who you are. I know everything that's gonna happen. And I call you Peter. That is why you are Peter. I call you Rock because that is what I say, period. End of story. Not based on your performance, but based on my purpose. Not based on what you can do for me, based on what I can do through you. You are Peter because I say so. You are Peter because I put it inside of you. You are Peter because that's just how I've made you. And I know you. So don't act like you're not anything that I already said you are. I know you. I already told you I know you. You're Peter because I say that you're Peter, not based on performance. Because here's the thing if we want to get real, if we want to talk about performance, Peter was a terrible performer. I made a highlight reel of uh, all of Peter's awesome performances. Are you ready? Here we go. If if Simon's call to be a rock was based off his performance, this is what it would be based off of. Simon meets Jesus, and Jesus calls him Peter. Peter wants to catch fish, but there isn't any. Jesus says, throw your net on the other side. Peter's like, I've already tried that. Jesus says, do it again, and guess what? It worked. Jesus walks on water, and he calls Peter out to him to prove that he's not a ghost. Peter walks on the water for three seconds and then sinks. Why? Because Peter means rock, and rocks never float on water. (laughs) Guys, that was good. Come on. Come on. Peter declares Jesus is the Son of God and gets commissioned to build the church. Jesus predicts that he will die. Peter rebukes him for it, saying, I will never let that happen to you, Jesus. Jesus calls him Satan and then tells him to get behind him. (laughs) Low light in Peter's life. That is not a high point for Peter. (laughs) Peter witnesses Jesus' transfiguration on the mountain. Jesus says Peter will deny him three times. Peter says, I will never do that. That won't happen. Jesus goes to pray in the garden and asks his friends to pray with him. Peter falls asleep. Jesus goes to get arrested. Peter wakes up, cuts off the guard's ear. Jesus immediately heals the ear. And at the very lowest point in Simon's life, Peter, the rock, after he cuts this guy's ear off and just like, what are you doing? Ear back on. At the very lowest point of his life, Peter is following Jesus who has been arrested and betrayed. And he's walking um, to this outer court where Jesus is inside and he's being tried. And he's being falsely accused. And he's about to be beaten mercilessly for our sins and for Peter's sins. And and he's outside this court. He's just kind of hanging around. And, And Peter, this rock who was called a rock, Peter is outside. And this girl, the Bible says, this girl was a doorkeeper to the outer gate. And she looks at him. And she says, I know you, you're you're one of Jesus's people. And in that moment, Peter denies Jesus. He says, no, I don't don't know who you're talking about. I don't know him. And the very same person that saw Peter, saw Simon, and called him out and said, I know you at your very depth and your very core. I know exactly who you are. Peter denies knowing that man. And the Bible says it happens again. It it, it says she asked him again, no, I can tell by your accent. You're from around that area where he hangs out. He's like, I don't know this guy. I don't know him. And three times, Simon, Peter denies knowing Jesus, denies knowing the guy that knew him, knew him deeper than any other person ever knew him and called out the God-given potential in his life. He denies him three times. We find in the story that Peter and his crew goes back to fishing, and the resurrected Jesus is sitting on the shore and he's fixing them breakfast and he's over a fire and he calls out to them. He's like, hey, throw your net on the other side. And Peter remembers that because he, he was hesitant to do it the last time. And Peter hears his voice and he jumps out of the boat and he swims to Jesus and they're standing there on the shore. And I imagine face to face looking at each other, Peter flashes back and remembers Jesus that called him out and said, I know exactly who you are, and I know who you can be in me. And in this moment, Jesus is looking at him, and he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And I can only imagine the crushing feeling of guilt, because I'm I'm sure initially Simon was thinking, well, I I I thought I was Peter. You call me Simon, son of John. And I think when we read it, we can initially think Jesus is almost revoking the call. But the call of God is irrevocable. And what he's saying is, Simon, son of John, hey, Peter, come here. I know you. I know everything about you. I knew this was going to happen before it ever happened. Simon, son of John, remember, I know who you are. Simon, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. I love you. Again, he says, Simon, son of John, what is he doing? He's he's reestablished, Peter, don't beat yourself up, man. I knew this was going to happen, and I called you. I called you. I will sustain you, Simon. Hey, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, God, I, I love you. One more time, Simon, son of John. Man, he's speaking into the innermost part of Simon's heart right now, of Peter's heart. And he's saying, Simon, son of John, don't you ever forget, I'm the one that knows you. I'm the one that knows you better than you know yourself. I'm the one that called you Peter. I'll be the one that sustains you. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, I love you. And in these three confessions, Peter realizes that it's not about our strength and our merit, it's about Jesus. Jesus is the one who knows. He's the one who, call, who calls. He's the one that perfects us in our calling. And get this, it's not just when we first meet him. It's over and over and over and over again. Maybe you, maybe you met Jesus and in the most beautiful way, you've never felt so vulnerably known. You just felt known. And in that moment, he called you to something. And maybe it wasn't verbally. Maybe it wasn't like an actual confession. Maybe it was with your lifestyle. Or or maybe it was something that you've been doing that you shouldn't have been doing. And you think, man, I'm just going to go back to fishing. I'm going to go back to doing what Simon does. Hear what Jesus is saying in this moment. Simon, son of John, do you love me? He is reaffirming that he knows him and that he has called him and that the calling only has power if it rests in Jesus. It is not on what we can do for Jesus. It's what Jesus can do through us. It's not how we can perform. It's, it's, it's his purpose in us that affirms the calling. And if you're in here tonight and you're like, man, I, I feel like I've met Jesus, but I feel like I've let him down let this, let this scene right now like sink into your heart. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, what's he doing? He's calling him over and over and over and proving to him, I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Your calling is without void because it's founded on me. And this is what I love. Jesus tells Peter how he's gonna die, which, yep. buzzkill. But then the very next thing that it says, it says, then Peter turned. And talk to Jesus. And almost 99% of the time in the rest of the Bible, no longer is he known as Simon, son of John. He is Peter. He is the rock. And on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit comes down and Jesus has ascended, who stands up? Because it's not Simon. Simon doesn't stand up. It says that Peter stood up and he spoke to what was going on and he preached the first message of the established church of Jesus Christ and everything that Jesus called out in him from the very first time they met each other came to pass. Why? Because it's not performance, it's purpose. It's Jesus' purpose in your life. And I love this. I love this. Um, In the epistles that, that Peter wrote, he addresses himself as, I, Peter, Apostle of Jesus Christ. He knows his name. He knows his new name. So if you guys will stand with me, I want to pray as we close out and we begin to worship. Lord Jesus, man, what an honor and what a privilege. God, that you would know us before we ever did anything, that you would know us for who we are, vulnerable, open, nothing to hide. You know exactly who we are. But not only do you know us, God, you call us. You call us right when you know us. And the awesome thing is our calling has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with your purpose. Jesus, you're so faithful. You're so loving. You're so incredible to us. Jesus, I pray that as we worship you, we would just fall more in love with you, that you would affirm to people in here tonight that you know them. You know them better than they even know themselves. You know them and that you've called them. And the calling on their life stands firm. It's because it has nothing to do with what they can do for you, Jesus. But your calling is firm on them because it is your purpose that establishes calling. Jesus, we love you so much. It's in your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Let's worship, guys.